I'm Ian Dallimore, and this is Digital and Dirt. Okay, I'll be a video star. Because we are not C plus students <laughs> at all. Okay, thank you. We're excited to continue this conversation with, uh, with Tommy Tebow, the CMO of Lamar. So a big aspect of what you do with the company, and especially now today, is sales school. Yeah. So I know when I first started here, I got to sit in this beautiful conference room and had all these great people presenting. But like everything, we know that it wouldn't that always didn't like happen, that. happen overnight. <laughs> so when I first started, it yeah. was called LSU, which we had to scrap that because yeah. it was Lamar Sales University. Yeah. But unfortunately, we live three miles from Louisiana from State, LSU, from the real one. Yeah. So we changed it to LBU, yeah. Lamar Billboard University, and now it's evolved into something much greater. But let's take a step back. How did that begin? And I know Kevin hired you because of the sales training and the success you had at IBM. But let's hear some stories. Well, you know, what Kevin told me the day he hired me is he said, look, you know, we've got 20 something companies and they're doing 20 something different things. Some of these folks out there know how to make good sales calls. Some of them don't have a clue. You need to bring some unity to it and consistency. Okay. And I don't know how you can do that. You figure it out. But that's why I hired you. And so first thing that I knew we needed to do was to make sure that we have the best trained media force out there. Mm -hmm. And I had a lot of experience with that. So the regional managers, for the most part, did not like me because they were smart. (laughs) They quickly recognized what was obvious, and that is this guy doesn't know anything about what we do. Mm. Why are you hiring him? And then uh, second of all, for the most part, They'd only worked one place, right? that Lamar, and they were good, mm-hmm. and they were good, and they knew how to drive the sales, and they were doing everything they could, but all we know is what we know. Right. And so I was a guy coming in here with this, well, we ought to have sales schools, all right? And so Hollis Wood, when no one else would, Hollis Wood, okay? <laughs> Hollis Wood called me up and said, Taper, you want to do one of them sales schools? And I said, yeah. He said, how about you do one up here in, uh, in uh, Nashville? And I said, yeah, I'd love to. He said, all right. What do you need? I said, I need a big hotel room so I can have a place because I don't think there's any place in your plant that's big enough at that time. And he said, all right, you got it. Granted, so, you, not to interrupt, but you came from IBM. Where IBM. It was like the training module. The- we had, yeah, we had every electronic thing you could think yeah. of. Now, and you're asking for your simple demands because yeah. you're professional. At I wanted this. to be comfortable. Yeah. Okay, at this time, I think we could do it in three days. So, y'all, I go, and Hollis got me a big room. He got me a room with two double beds. That was it. (laughs) Not a conference room. Right. I mean, he sent his reps over to the hotel to my hotel room. Did you stay in that room as well? That's where I was sleeping. Uh, So you had to make your bed. So I had to make the bed in the morning, and I had a flip chart because he didn't have an overhead projector. I set it between the two beds, and bless their heart, those AEs sat down on the edge of the bed. And I got room service, and that was our sales school. Wow. We did it in a hotel room. So I don't take for granted the fact that over all these years, we've had a wonderful, dedicated training room with all the gee whiz electronics Mm -hmm. a guy could ever hope for. Yeah. For our listeners, Lamar has 900 to 1,000 yeah. local reps. Yeah. 80% of our business is locally driven. Yeah. So we've always talked about this. It's like in the old days, yeah. what you were describing, it was like showing up to a McDonald's in Baton Rouge and then showing up to the one in 
New Orleans and one having sesame seed buns and one having regular buns. Yes. You had to consolidate 20, 30, 40 companies into one selling. And then the success of Lamar is the local nature, the local managing. So talk to me about that. You're young in the company. Yeah. Sure, you have your success, but like most tech companies that come in our space, it's like, yeah, but you don't know the billboard business. Yeah, yeah. The, I had to earn the right. Yeah, you had to earn the right. So talk about that, the the internal structure, because a lot of things in Lamar, we call Lamar land, it's a lot of like folklore. I tell you, one of the things that really helped me and I would hope helped Lamar is I got very active in the uh, marketing committee at the OAAA, very active in, at that time, the Traffic Audit Bureau. And, and I ended up speaking at ad clubs everywhere. I mean, literally, I bet I spoke to 300 to 400 different ad clubs on Lamar's behalf, okay? And we're about maybe three years into it because Don Beyer was the head of the OAAA. So this is before I took Don Beyer's place. Don Beyer, we had a convention, and he was going to have, because he wanted the operators to see this, he was going to have someone from television stand up and make their presentation to the outdoor industry, this is how I sell an advertiser in television. Wow. Okay? And then he had somebody from radio coming up to do the same thing and somebody from the newspaper industry. And he asked me to do the outdoor pitch. I'm thinking, look around. I've been here two and a half years. There's some other people you could, but he knew me. All right? So anyway, what I did not know, and I was told afterwards, Don has set you up to fail. Because he was the head of a major ad agency in New York City. And he had already seen the best television, radio, and print from the big guys in New York City. So he just called on his friends and said, I want you to scare these outdoor people to death. Mm -hmm. I want you to put the fear of God in them because I want them to see this is what they're competing with. And if they wonder why they have trouble getting any of the ad spend, it's because – they don't have any talent. So so here's what happens. They come out there, and I am getting blown away by the stuff they're doing. And I immediately start changing my pitch because I begin to realize this is kind of threatening. Yeah, he's setting you up. Yeah. And I didn't know that at the time. So I got up there, and the first thing I did is I said, let me just clear the air. You guys love television. You love radio. You love print. Okay. And here are the it's strengths of television. Here are the strengths of radio. Here are the strengths of print. Now, let me show you what they're not telling you. And then I grabbed the remote control and started saying, typical person watching television. Mm-hmm. That's what they do every time your commercial comes on. And I pulled up the radio and I turned it. I said, here's the radio. Here's exactly what happens when the commercial comes on. I had a little transistor radio. And I turned that. And the paper, I said, oh, yeah, you put it in the paper. That's great. They have great circulation. But I had taken the Sunday's paper. Oh, this is my favorite. And I taped it one page after another, the long way. And I rolled it up. And I said, and your ad's in the paper. And I threw it off the stage, and it rolled down in between the seats. And I said, your ad is somewhere in there right now. Can you spot it? Mm-hmm. Oh, wait a minute. Maybe it's on the other side. And then I started trying to flip it over. Wow. And I said, that's the difference between yep. us and them. And, boy. Obviously, the outdoor guys felt a lot better after being intimidated by the the suits that had come in from New York. And that was when all of a sudden, man, I was getting a lot of phone calls from outdoor companies that were our quote-unquote 
competitors mm-hmm. saying, could you come in and do a presentation? Yep. And a lot of times, you know, of course, I always cleared it with Kevin and Sean, you know, later on is, do you mind if I do it? Yeah, go ahead. Mm-hmm. See, what's good for the industry, it's good for Lamar. The better we get as an industry, the better we'll do at Lamar. Yep. Rising tides. Yep. Floats all boats. Yep. Without yep. a doubt. That's the only proverb, and I don't think it's a proverb. <laughs> it's not, that I know. <laughs> but it, it, so you talk about competitive selling. So it's radio, newspaper, TV. That back in the yeah, back oh. in the day, and so it's evolved. Obviously, yeah. so now if you look at the ad spend, it's shifted tremendously. Yeah. CTV is having its heyday. Thanks a lot, COVID, for that. And then obviously the Facebook, Amazon, Google yeah. Yeah. world has yeah. shifted the mindset. And you are a pro at this. This is literally what you've done over the last 37 years or 30 plus years is focused on selling, having outdoor reps sell against and with yeah. media. Yeah. So you're having to now evolve the sales pitch and it's brand new to everybody. Talk to me about how you now shift and you advise our sales reps and others to sell maybe against and alongside of this well, new, new set of media. And of course, the first thing that I think you have to do is you always have to go back to the basics. Mm-hmm. I mean, the wonderful thing is if you really do know the basics of selling, especially of selling with or against the competitor, there are just the basic things you do. I mean, you, you need to understand what are the strengths and what are the weaknesses. And then nobody wants to buy from a salesperson who runs the competitor down. Okay, they don't. They don't. And nobody wants to be questioned about whether or not they made the best decision. So to me, it's always being able to make the right kind of comparisons. For example, we talk about selling against digital, and we think in terms of, well, some streamers like Netflix don't have commercials, but what about you know Hulu? And it's got two different tiers, and Peacock's got two different tiers. And, you know, we still are selling against those. But we're not having local advertisers appear on right. Hulu with ads. And likewise, we're not having local advertisers appear if you're buying the, God help you, Pandora basic package. Right. Okay. The people that are buying that are people that are buying nationally. Mm-hmm. So in a lot of ways, it doesn't really affect us as much. So it really comes down to this, and that is selling with because – there will be situations where someone is going to put a lot of money into Yelp. The important thing, I believe, is you've got to show them how you're going to make whatever they're doing more effective. Yep. yep. And how do you do that? You show that here are some of the weak points. But that media was not designed to do yep. and address that, which is fine. They do a better job of reaching somebody on that handheld device. Okay? So that's why you went with it. But here's where we're going to come in. We're going to support that because as they drive to work, they drive home as they drive to the child's soccer match. They're seeing that same yep. message. Yeah. We've seen success over the years with 12, 13 years ago, we did mobile with out of home. And now that's just become the way. Yes. Like you drive past a digital board or a static board or a bus bench. Yeah. We are sending you an ad to that specific app and it's relevant to the data and the consumer and what we call is kind of continuing the consumer's journey. So we know that out of home isn't the only one. And, and that's what I love about your sales technique because again, yeah. no one likes to be told, hey, stupid, stop posting your outfits of the day on Instagram. Yeah. 
But the reality of it is, is, and Lamar does a great job of training our reps to say, hey, I noticed you do this on Instagram. Let's stream those live to digital. Let's stream your tweets live to the digital and continue the conversation beyond. So now to your point, you're making that customer boutique owner look good. Yep. And you're just saying, hey, I just want to help you out a little bit more. Yeah. So that whole consultive selling has has changed drastically. And we're not the smartest guy in the room. No, and that's okay. Or as John Miller always says, we're a C-plus student. Yeah. (laughs) Which you and I take offense to that because we are not C-plus students (laughs) at all. We study too hard, We study too hard for this. Yeah, but we'll take it. So talk to me about the evolution, right? So you may not remember this quote, but I I dug it up. We used to live in a 3D world, meaning that you meet face-to-face, and it's a handshake, and it's a, hey, we go to church together. Now it's evolved into what you call a flat world, which is, hey, I got to get Email marketing, I know it's my routine in the morning. I despise it, Yeah, but I go through the junk mail and I'm just like, oh God, I got to delete all these cheesy pitches. My worst one real fast is that, hey, Ian, I've reached out multiple times. It's starting to feel a lot like my junior year in prom where I got rejected. I'm like, oh God. Yes. Hey, I'm sorry, Ian, to bother you one more time. Yeah, one But you've just popped again up to the top of my list. And I I hate to close the day without having an opportunity to speak to you. Yeah, but They write well. Yeah, but today that's the world that we live in is it's how do you catch that person at the right moment? And you've taught me this and a lot of our reps over the years. You have to make sure that you're relevant at the right moment in time for the need that they may not realize that they have. And I stole that from a guy that used to write for Ad Age. Mm -hmm. And he had what they call the theory of recency. Mm -hmm. And the theory of recency was we don't care about an ad that we see, whether it's Ollie's discount store stuffed into the newspaper or it's the best piece of creative we have on the streets. They don't care Mm -hmm. until they need it. And the example that I've used often is, You see an ad, and I don't care on what media that you see it on, for something to do with a new mobile device, you don't even care. If you're using Apple, you're not going to look at any Samsung products. So you don't care until one day your bill goes from $300 a month to $600 a month, and you call AT&T, and they give you all these bonehead reasons why – but what you don't hear is, we're sorry, we're going back to 300. It's 600. Live with it. At that point, you say, that's it. You know what? I'm getting another provider. Mm-hmm. At that point, you drive by a mobile ad on a billboard mm-hmm. and you see a 34.95 slash month. You look up to see who it is. And you'll look at, and you're going to slow down, look at it, and say, I'm going to talk to those people tomorrow. That's why you have to advertise. Nobody cares about someone that does transmissions and automobiles until there's break. And then it's like, who is that guy? Who is that guy? From a seller's perspective, we still get face-to-face meetings. Yeah. I think that's one of the benefits of the the local nature of Lamar. You work, live, and play with a lot of these people that are buying our advertising. The evolution of now email, I have to email you to even be a touch point. Yeah. Whereas in the past it was, hey, I'll call your phone. Yeah. For example, don't ever call my phone at the office because I'll never, ever answer it. So how do you teach a sales force? And I know a lot of our guys have been and girls have been with us for 20 plus years. How do you teach them? And what are the tools? God, it, you know, today it's so much easier 
and slicker mm-hmm. than anything that we used to do in the past. Yeah. I mean, this is probably the greatest time for somebody to go into sales. My early days in Xerox and IBM, it was door to door. It was, you know, you were Willie Loman, handshake and smile. You wore your three-piece suit. I don't care if it was 98 degrees outside. You carried an extra long-sleeve white starch shirt. So at noon, you changed into it because that's, that's the way it was. Mm-hmm. And you look at where we are now. And again, the pandemic was actually a blessing sure. to us. And it was a blessing in a number of ways. I would be the first person to tell you that the whole idea of going with Salesforce would have been something that I would have argued against mm-hmm. because of the complexity of it and because I knew that the failure rate was high. Little did I know, I think some other people probably did have a better grip on it than I did, and that is it's necessary, but we never knew it was going to be as necessary as it became during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. It saved us, okay? Not so much that Salesforce saved us, that learning how to use technology to sell with saved us because here's what's happened now that makes our lives easier. Just like I said, nobody wants a transmission till the transmission doesn't work. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, nobody wants to advertise until either you can get in front of them and give them a compelling reason to add out of home to the mix or they wake up at night realizing as they sweat it all over their pillowcase, we got to change the way we're advertising. We're going out of business. Call up the outdoor guy. What's wonderful now is that we take all that information that's now in Salesforce that is a pain in the saddlebags to try to put that stuff in, but we did it. Some people did it excitedly, and some people, there are tread marks from their desk to the computer where they had to bang that stuff in. But they did it because they believed somebody out there had a vision. Then we hook up Pardot to it. And now all of a sudden, you know, I went to LSU. I still can't write in a complete sentence. All right? <laughs> like Randy Newman said, I went in dumb. I came out too. Yep. All right? But we won a lot of national championships. Did, yeah. But anyway, that being said, what happened was we got a writer out of New York. And that person, Allie's the one that came up with the idea. And that person is able to formulate really compelling information that when we know somebody opened up our website or on a direct mail campaign we did on a vertical market, if somebody opened it up, instead of just dumping it, which most people do, they decide to go a few steps in because obviously they're interested Mm -hmm. and they spend time on it and we know who they are. Then we're able to follow up with that direct mail campaign with their name on it. And it's not as cute as I feel like I just got bumped from the prom. You yeah. know, yeah, you won't respond to me. It's professional, but it's coming from the AE and it's got their name on it and it's going to the decision maker. And then we find out that from there, if we follow up with them and we do it on a structured basis to simply say, Did you get my email? Mm-hmm. Do you have any questions? that there are people that say, yeah, I do have a question. How much does this stuff cost? And we teach people to say, not, well, it depends. No, I mean, it's, well, in our market, it's run between $10 to $100 per panel per day, depending on who you're trying to reach. But I got to ask you a few questions to figure out who is it that you're trying to reach? And that's how you get into the sales call. 
So what we're able to do is instead of going up and down the street, now using this technology, we're able to reach so many more people quickly who are interested. And if we're skillful in how we handle uh, their objections, if we're skillful in how we show that our media can make what they're doing right now a little more powerful, and then hopefully if they like it, maybe they'll slip us you know, a little bit off that cookie and move it towards us, mm-hmm. give us a bigger piece, we'll be able to help them even more. So the, the evolution of COVID, a lot of people has, has said, has evolved companies that yes. three-year projects are now being completed in six months. And I, I feel like you and your team were well ahead of it. This wasn't a reactionary thing where a lot of companies were like, oh, wow, we're not going to yeah. be able to get face-to-face because of obvious reasons. This was something that we had done three years prior, four years prior. Yeah. So you've given the tools. You've rolled out this complex video series training. I brag about it to, to everyone. Well, first thing, I'm being totally honest. It was John Miller's idea. And the way it came about was John staying in constant contact with the regionals and territory managers, and, and he's in front of a lot of GMs. It was still obvious to him that their people were not always embracing what they learned in sales school, and they just forgot it. And he, he said, man, why don't you do reminders? Why don't you just do these reminders? And I had enough of an ego to think, yeah, I do video. Yeah, okay, I'll be a video star. But anyway, so the idea was let's, let's encourage people. And we'd started that before the pandemic, but where it really came in to, I think, make a bit of a difference was when people were isolated and they were working in many cases remotely. And, you know, when you're an AE, you get beat up all day long and you go back to that office and somebody's got a story. Somebody, oh yeah, that happened to me. Don't worry about that, Mm -hmm. man. You'll get past that. There were people that would lift you up, but when you're working remotely, you don't have that. And after a while, you're thinking, why am I trying to call people up on the f- phone? That's not how we do it. You know, it's not working. That's where we were able to speak directly to the AEs. And it was just, try this. And and invariably, you know, we've got so many talented people out there. You know, just, you've seen the videos. Yep. They come up with something that they do. And it's like, why didn't I do that? I mean, you're not rebuilding a pyramid. You're just going in and doing some simple things. Why didn't I do that? And I think it was a constant encouragement to the AEs that were out there. And the amazing thing was, when we started that out, you know, and I always finish up with, you know, take care of yourself and take care of your family, take care of each other, because we're coming out of this thing better. Okay? And I believe that we were. Mm -hmm. But remember, March, what was it? That middle of the March yep. lost seven billion dollars in one day in value. Right, the stock went from ninety six bucks down to about thirty one dollars a share. Right, it was like, what are we? We're not doing anything differently. Right, we're the same company, but seven billion dollars worth less in value. And I kept saying, trust me, we're going to come out of this better. And I'll never forget that day that I was able to do the video and say. You remember I promised you we were going to come out of this better? Our stock went to the highest number that it had ever gone. We moaned and groaned that we used to be at $96 a share, and we went over $100 today. And we're still in a pandemic. Why? Because our sales force did basically a 
pivot and said, we're going to do it a different way. And some agreed with it and some didn't, but they did it anyway. Right. And to me, that's just a real tribute. That's a tribute to those AEs. That's a tribute to all those managers, GMs and sales managers that were trying to motivate people at a distance and the ones that said, look, if you've been vaccinated, if you feel secure and we space you out, we'd love to have you back in the office. Because some people think, well, why would an AE want to go back to the office? You know, people people say now I love to work from home. Well, right. guess what? If you're an AE, you realize if you're going to go get your brains kicked in at a football game, there was a reason why you had a halftime. Right. Because somebody had to talk you into going back out. Right. Okay. Exactly. And not only did they do such a good job of talking in to go back out, but you actually ran out hooting and hollering like you thought you won the game instead of knowing you're getting your butt whipped again. Right. Okay. Yeah. Well, coming to that office is like a halftime. It's where you get filled back up again. And as AEs, we need encouragement. We need recognition because sometimes on our own, we just can't find a good reason to go do what we do. Yeah. And I think we'll kind of wrap this up with a final thought. And what you're talking about is the evolution. We've evolved from paint to giant thick vinyls to recyclables to digital boards to whatever's to come. Yeah. So you've been in the industry for 37 plus years or yeah. been with Lamar. Give us some of the biggest changes that you've seen over the years, good and bad. Wow. Well, the biggest change is what we just talked about. Mm -hmm. The fact that now we do such a better job of presenting our product and we do a much better job of finding people that need us and helping them. And the fact that we can account for where our sales are coming from, that we've got it down to a science of metrics. And we bred success. I mean, those AEs that started with us way back, you know, going through sales training, et cetera, are now leaving the company. And now they have some, so much more depth and ability than all of us had when we came in. They're taking us to a whole nother level. So that's, that's one of the things that I, I love. To me, overall, what has been really exciting is I watched us go from a, an industry where we would go off to some hotel with a golf course, and they would, instead of presentations on the stage, they put two tables, and they sat behind the tables and opened up the meeting and then somebody would walk out to a microphone and talk. There was no visual. And a bunch of guys, guys, not women, it was a men's only, mostly wearing golf shirts. And usually you could look and see little coffee stains right. and honey bun stains all over the front. That we went from that to what Nancy Fletcher started and brought to a science. And that is all of a sudden we went to being educated, exposed to the greatest people in media, not just out of home, but in the other media, that we were challenged and finally finding ourselves sitting at tables in media discussions that we never were allowed in the room. That, to me, is just, it's just unbelievable. We got better while everybody else got worse. But we got to learn how to play in the sandbox yep. with everybody. And as long as we take the high road, 
and we just work on our professionalism and we work on being able to understand the metrics so that we know what makes us great and we know what makes us not great and keep correcting and make sure that we work alongside the people that we consider to competition, then we're constantly going to be a part of those decisions. Yeah. This has been a treat, and I mean that from the bottom of my heart. I think. Well, what's for me? I don't know about you. Yeah, no, no. This was amazing, and I hope our listeners enjoy and, and understand the, the way that you personally and then a group of you collectively have paved the way for this future and the change, and you continue to do that. I personally thank you for making oh. sure that I didn't get hired by that chicken tender place. <laughs> thank God that happened. Um, yeah, I don't yeah. think I'd be a good fry cook. Yeah, but right. yeah, We've I made mean, a lot of millionaires, buddy. <laughs> yeah, oh, for sure. And look, we would love to have you back. I think uh, what you. you bring to the industry and, and what you've done for the industry is, and specifically for Lamar, is just tremendous. And as a friend, I thank you for your time. Thank and you, and uh, you. we're excited that we got to have a conversation with Tommy Teeple. Thank you, Claire. Appreciate you. Hey, that was fun. Yeah, we appreciate it. Digital and Dirt is brought to you by Lamar Advertising. To learn more, check out the links in the description or go to lamar.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review on Spotify, Apple, or other platforms where podcasts are found. Thanks for listening.